You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. I'm in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. I believe that all of us, as you're looking for that or looking on the screen, I believe all of us feel that there should be another season <laughs> to what we're living. You know, you have uh, winter season, and when winter season ends, it, it not only ends, but it announces, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to let our Vida kids go to your class. We got the best teachers here waiting for you. So um, you can go back there. There's Sister Blanca. I don't know who else I can't see, but uh, Sister Linda is there. Yes. So y'all... Make your way that way. And uh, I think our lives also, just like the four seasons that you can have in Houston in a day, um, but normally should be four seasons of the year, uh, they announce one end of a season, but it announces at the same time the beginning of another season. And uh, I think our lives are that way. We all go through different seasons in life. And we're waiting for the next season, hoping that it would be better than the one that we just ended. That's what's happening in the life of, of um, Abraham. And in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, after these things, after these things, thank God that there's an after these things. That doesn't just end there, but there's an after. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very, very great. I'm convinced that today this could be a prophetic word for someone that is going through a situation, a process, um, and, and your situation that you've been living may be crucial, may be an important or a critical situation that needs to go to another season, that you've got to come out of this. There has to be something better than that. When you study the life of Abraham, I think you could divide it into two parts. It's the process part of his life and then the after these things part of his life. I think we all go through the same thing. And in Genesis chapter 12, uh, it starts there. And by the time we get to chapter 15, that ends, but a new season begins in chapter 15 for the life of, of Abraham. As we read in chapter 15, verse 1, after these things, there is an after. So don't settle with what you're going through right now. There is an after that. And the after will always be better than where you've been. The after, according to the word of God, it says that the latter glory will be greater than the former glory. The latter is always, always greater if you have your faith and trust in God. And so as we read this verse, it implies that there was a certain season and a process that Abraham had to go through. But after that season was over, there was something better after that. 
And I'm here to encourage somebody that where you are right now is only a state, it's only a phase, it's not your final area, it's not your final destiny. There is an after what you're going through that God wants to bring into your life. Now listen, Abraham had to go through some things that served in his life to catapult him to the next season of his life, to, to catapult him to the blessing that he was now going to endure. And I've come here to tell somebody that everything that you've been going through up to now has been nothing more than God's process and God's way of preparing you to catapult you to your after situation that you've been going through. There is an after, and all of this has been working for your good, even though you feel that it has been a time of trial and a time of of, of uh, uh, drama that seems to have held you back. But it is all in the process of God. And all of this starts in chapter 12. And I believe that what Abraham went through has a lot of similarities to what we have gone through in our own life. The first thing that we find in chapter 12, just, just to get to chapter 15, the second part of his life, it's good to know the first part because, like I said, I think you can identify with that. The very first thing that you find in chapter 12 of Genesis, it begins talking about God's call on Abraham's life. <coughs> Whether you knew it or not, there is a call on your life. From the very beginning that you were born, there was a call on your life. From the very beginning that you began to walk, that call was still on your life. And some of you and some of us, it took a while before we said yes to the call of God. You see, the very first thing that starts in the process of where God is wanting to take us is we must respond to the call of God. When God calls you out, and that's what first happened. And when God calls you, you have to deal with two things. It deals with submission, and it also deals with obedience. And that's probably why we don't answer the call of God as we should because we understand that we need to be submissive and we understand that we have to also be obedient to the call of God. All of us that are here today, I pray that answer to that call of God. It, it might have been different the call to you as well as the call to someone next to you. But all of us were called out. We were called out from where we were. We were called out from where we lived. We were called out of our, our ambience and of our circle of influence that was not really helping us get to where God wanted to take us. And when we said yes to God and when we answered the call of God, we had to, like God told Abraham, you need to leave your land and you need to leave your family and go to the land that I'm going to share or show you. Many of us had to make that tough decision. I'm talking about spiritually as well as, as, as uh, here locally. What I mean by that is when you said yes to God, you had to leave certain friends. When you said yes to God, you have to leave, have, had to have left certain habits. You had to have left certain uh, uh, circles of influence because you knew it was no longer the one that God wanted you to be in. We all have to answer to that call of God. And I thank God that not only you have answered that call, but Vida City Church has answered the call for this time and for this moment, for the vision that God has given us for now and what is to come. There is a call upon this church that we must respond to because we are going to have to give account to God for the call. Now, the other thing that we got to understand is that it's not like, like we really chose God. The Bible says in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And then after he chooses, he says, and I appointed you to go 
and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that your Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. We were chosen by God. Everything starts with our relationship with God. Everything starts with what I answer to God, yes or no. And God has, has given us that call, and we responded to that call. Now, now verse uh, 10 of chapter 12 says, Now there was a famine in the land. So Abraham went down to Egypt and resided there as an alien, for the famine was severe in the land. Not only did he have to deal with the call on his life and have to leave familiarities and people that he knew and things that he did to respond to the call of God. But in the process, he finds himself now that sometimes we have to go and endure moments of lack or we have to go through recessions and economic limitations. Here's Abraham wondering, I said yes to God, and as I'm going by faith, because uh, the Bible says he, he didn't really know where he was going, but he, I'm trusting you, God, and, and I'm trusting you, and I've said yes to the call, but now I find myself in, in limitations and, and economic recessions, and, and that's part of the process, because it's there also in our finances and, and in, the, in the provisions that we are tested by God, because it's there where we have to learn to live in limitations so we can then learn to live in the abundance that God is going to give us. You remember your moments. You're not financially where you are right now. You were 10 years ago. You remember when you first started. You remember the jobs that you've had. You remember the amount that they paid you hourly. But you thank God that as time has gone by, yes, you've had some big fat cows, but you've also lived many of your skinny cows, and yet you've seen the hand of God and hands of provision. God tests us because if we're going to live in the abundance, we've got to learn how to handle when we don't have it all. Your attitude and my attitude have a reflection and reflect. To God, how grateful I am. Can I deal with where I am? I mean, I wish I could have more, but, but I'm okay for right now where I am. I, I'm, I thank God that, that I, I, I am not where I used to be, and, and I'm not yet where I want to be, but there's been progress. I, I, I moved out of my apartment, and I live now in a house, and I don't have to take the bus anymore because now I got a bike. I, I let go of the bike because I, I, now I got a small car, and, and now today you're driving what you never thought you could drive. You're driving a BMW. You're driving your Toyota when before you were, you were just thankful that you had a bike. You're driving a, 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 a whatever God has blessed you. You've seen that there has been progress, but it became, it came to you because of how you handled the moments that you didn't have what you really wanted and needed at that time. Learn to live. Paul said, I've learned to be content with what I've got. I know there's more, but right now I'm okay with what I got. I know I'll get there, but I've got to learn to be happy with what I have and let God know that I am grateful, but what I have now was better than what I had before and what God is going to give me after these things will definitely be greater than what I have right now. And so he learns to have to go through limitations and trust God in all of that and believe that God knows what he's doing better than what I know what I'm doing. And know and understand that God could take care of me better than I can take care of myself. So he's trusting God. And throughout this process, remember, after these things, after what? After this process. 
After this process, after I brought you out, after I called you and you said yes to me, and then after you learned to handle the situations of, of, uh, of lack and, 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 and not much abundance, but, but you trusted me and, and you learned how to manage what you got and not spend more than what you get, and you learned all of this. Now the third thing that he has to learn is, and it's hard because the Bible says in Genesis 13, 7 through 9, so there was a quarrel between the shepherds of Abraham's livestock and the shepherds of Lot's livestock. Now the Canaanites and the Parasites were living in the land, verse 8. So Abraham says to Lot, look, please, let there be no strife, let there be no quarrel, let there be no fighting between me and you. Or between my shepherds and yours, since we are relatives he says, isn't the whole land before you? Please separate yourself from me. If to the left, then I'll go to the right. And if to the right, then I'll go to the left. Here is Abraham having to go through a separation, having to go through a division. His nephew Lot has come to the point where and let me see if I, could, if I could explain this the way I want to. There are people that have been blessed because of you. There are people that came in connection with you, family, that you helped out. Family that your house was their house. Family that your food was their food. Family that your car was their car. As they got on their feet. Abraham took an assignment to bring his nephew Lot with him when he left his family. Took a commitment to say, Lot, okay, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Lot with me. And Lot understood. Remember, Abraham is known as the friend of God. And as he lived with Abraham, he began to see the God of Abraham bring blessings to his life. And because Lot was with Abraham, not only did he see the blessings, but the blessings also overflowed into Lot's life. The difference was, is that, the difference here is that, why is there contention? Why is there, I mean, is not the whole land there? I mean, come on, there's enough for all of us. But sometimes your blessing on somebody else can, can turn them the wrong way, can make them more ambitious, can make them to want more at the cost of having to inflict injury, insult to you, who you were the source of their blessing in the first place. Are you with me? And so now Abraham, who's being blessed by God, and Lot, because he's with Abraham, is being blessed as well. But now Lot is not serving the God that Abraham is. He's more concerned on, on the growth of his company. He's more concerned on, on the money that he's making. He's more concerned that, that I can, even if I do this, I can make more at the cost of being a hindrance and causing war with my family. Can you imagine how hard that was for Lot and Abraham? Can you imagine to say, look, I made a commitment to your family that I take care of you. And up to now, I've kept that. God has blessed you like he's blessed me. But why do we have to fight? Why do you guys have to fight with our guys? We're, we're family. This can't, it's not, and, and can you imagine that Abraham now has to say, look, as much as I really want us to be together, we can't be together. 
if you're not going to serve the God I serve, because apparently if you serve the God I serve, there wouldn't be contention. There wouldn't really be, we wouldn't have to come to this point. And so now there has to be a, a separation, and, and he's having to, to have that uh, um, division between him and his family. I mean, that hurts. And this is part of the process. Because sometimes when you give your life to Jesus Christ, this family that carries your own name will say, you're not welcome here anymore. There's family that you grew up together that will say, well, if you're that, then, then you're okay. We're okay. Just, just, let's just part ways. There are moments even in this process of a Christian life that not everything is good and dandy. Not everything is good. No, we, we live in a real world and, and sometimes people are not going to agree with what you're doing. Abraham finds himself at a point where, okay, if that's what we have to do, then, then we'll do that. He's going through a process that he's saying, this wasn't something that I was thinking would happen. But I find myself in a crossroads where even with family, I have to make a decision because it can affect my relationship with God. My goal is to let you see what God is doing in my life. You knew I was a drunk, and now look what God has done. You knew that my wife and I were like cats and dogs, and we're about to split because we separated so many times. But when God came in, I wanted you to see that there's a God that can restore the marriage. You see how our kids were living and how they were, we were just a mess in our home. But when God came in, I wanted you to see what God is doing in my life and doing in my family. Can't you see that? And sadly to say, family members sometimes will not want to see that. And they leave and they go. And you have to come to making decisions, hard decisions, to have to say, okay, then me and my house are dedicated to serve God. And Abraham is wondering, there has to be something better than this. There has to be a season that carries me over to something better than when I am, than where I am. And you know what it's cost you to serve God. You know that not everybody applauded you when you told them, hey, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Not everybody applauded you when you say, I decided not to go to our traditional church, but I found a church that I feel that God is taking me there and I feel fulfilled and I feel ministered and I feel that God loves me. Not everybody applauds you and some of them walked away, but if there's anything that we could say today for real, for real, despite that people have left you, whether few or a lot, you ought to be thankful because you know that though everybody might have left you that you thought wouldn't have leave, left you, God has always been there with you. God stood by your side. God, even with all your failures and all your deficiencies that we all have, okay, I may be that way. I may be uh, this way. I may have this bad attitude. I may not be as humorous. I, I understand that. But God, don't you thank God that with all of that, God has still been there with you and still loves you and still tolerates us and still gives us another day to live. That's why even David himself in Psalms 27 verse 10, if my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. Another phase before Abraham can enter into his after these things. Another phase of his process is found in Genesis chapter 13 verse 18. It says, so Abraham moved his tent 
and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar to the Lord there. It talks about progression. It talks about maturity. It talks about that he had to move every so often his tent and move to another place and he built an altar there. And after a season, he'd pick up his tent and it was time to move and he'd go to the next place where God would indicate him and he'd built an altar there. It talks about your spiritual progression with God. It talks about God in the process of your life is wanting to see and make sure that you're maturing in all areas of your life. That, that, that There's no reason that you are in your spiritual state today as you were a year ago. You can't be the same Christian today as you were five years ago. There has to be progress. You have to mature. You have to grow. There has to be a sign that you've been progressing and moving forward. And Abraham in his life understood I I'm going to stay here. And God says no, there's still much more. And after he moved and built the altar wow, this feels good. I think I'll stay here. No, 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 no. no. There's still more. The story that comes to mind is the story of Elijah and Elisha. And when Elijah was about to be taken to the Lord, he goes to Gilgal with Elijah and he says, why don't you stay here? Elijah tells him, uh, and he says, where are you going? Well, from here, I've got to go to Bethel. Well, well I don't want to stay here in Gilgal. If there's Bethel, let me go to Bethel. And so he went with him in Bethel. After being in Bethel, which means the house of God, for a while, the prophet tells Elisha, says, hey, I've got to get going, but I think you like Bethel. So why don't you stay in Bethel because God has called me to Jericho. And he says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. If, if Gilgal was okay and Bethel was better, I think I'll go with you to Gilgal. He picks up his stuff and goes with the prophet, to, I'm sorry, to Jericho. And there in Jericho, he had a great time. But there came a time where the prophet says, it's time for me to go. I think you've enjoyed Jericho, so why don't you stay in Jericho? He says, for as much as I like Jericho, where are you going? And he says, I've got to cross the Jordan. Well, I'll go with you to the Jordan. There has to be in our life a a season of progression that we're not the same when Jesus saved us the very first time we came to him. But now if you look at me, I'm better. I'm not where I should be. But thank God I'm not where I was. And you can see in my life that there is progression. You're being molded. You're learning to trust God. You're learning to live for God. God is producing the fruit of the Spirit. God is letting you to connect with people. God is allowing your, your, your gifts to, to, to be drawn out and to be able to serve people. God is doing something in your life. You're growing. And Abraham may have thought that it was frustrating to have to set up his tent and then have to build an altar. And then all of a sudden God will say it's time to move. And i got to pick my tent up. And I've got to go and build an altar, another altar. It was the process of life where God says if you want to enjoy the after these things, you've got to be faithful in these things. And so now we get to the point where Abraham not only has accepted the call, 
understands that he may lose family, but understands also that, that, that he is at a point where he is growing every day and every year he's finding himself, I'm not the same person as I was before. God is working my character. God is working on my life. God is working in my thoughts. God is working in areas of my life and I've seen that I've had to pick up and go, pick up and go, but they've been growing steps that God has been doing in the process of taking me to where he wants to take me. And I am better now than I was back then. And you would think that that would be the end of the process. But in chapter 14, it says that Abraham all of a sudden finds himself in a situation of war. The Bible says in Genesis 14, 14 and verse 16, when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive. Check that out. Here's his. Here's his nephew, comes with him, doesn't have anything, sees the God of Abraham in action in his uncle's life. He begins to benefit from what God is doing in Abraham and, hey, I want to bless you and, and, and he's being blessed. Then it comes to a point where he becomes arrogant. He says, you know what, man, if we got to leave, we got to leave. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going for more. And Okay. Now Lot finds himself that the enemy has come, has taken him and his family and everything he's got has taken him captive and a prisoner. Abraham hears about this. And so when Abraham heard that his relative had been taken captive, he called out 318 trained men, born in the household. Because, let me see if you can understand this. People, children of the house are normally faithful and will stay. But if you're a cousin, we say it in Spanish, if you're a cousin, you're just a relative, you're not committed. The moment things get hard or the moment that you leave because you're not of the house. You're not faithful. You're not committed. That's why Abraham, I believe, when he's going to go to look for his relative for Lot and go conquer, he says, I can't take wimps. I can't take cousins. I can't take uh, uh, nephews. I've got to take children from the house that understand what it is to be committed. Because when you go out to war, you're going to have to be committed. You can't bail out. You can't run. You've got to be committed. And so the Bible says here that he gets 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Verse 16, he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot his possessions, and the, the, together with the women and the other people. I mean, here's a man that has learned in this process that God's taking him even to fight for what belongs to him, to fight for what God has given them. And the problem that I see in the postmodern church is that we no longer have a fight. There's not a fight in us. We always look for the easy way out. I don't like, like in Toy Story, I don't like confrontations. And rather than talking about it, and rather than, yes, maybe even discussing and arguing about, because it's worth arguing, it's worth fighting for, we, we, we've given up the fight. We've given up the tiger eye inside of us. We've given up the lion that's in us, and, and we'd rather just, okay, fine, if that's what you want to do, go for it. I don't care. 
We're not fighting for our marriage anymore. We're not fighting for our morals anymore. We're not fighting for our children. Oh, they're old enough. That's what they want to do. We're not fighting for what God entrusted us and what God gave us. We're not fighting anymore. There's not a fight in us. And Abraham has 318 trained men in his own house that he taught them how to fight. He says, this is ours. Yeah, but they left. It doesn't matter if Lot left us. He's part of the family, and we have a duty to even reach out to them, even though that's the consequences of leaving, but we don't have to leave them there. We can fight for them and bring them back. There are people that are no longer coming. Not because of anything else, but because the enemy took a hold of them. Because the enemy made them feel that it's not as important. Because the enemy did things in their home, in their marriage. They don't have to be out there. They were here receiving a word. It would be good if they were at another church receiving a word, but they're not. Their home is falling apart. They don't have to stay there even though they chose to go that route. We can still fight for them and bring them back and let them know God still loves you and God still cares for you. And they may not be faithful or loyal because if you keep reading the story, after Abraham brings them back, they still go out and go back to Sodom and Gomorrah and lose everything there. But we have a a duty to at least fight for them. There's a saying in Proverbs that the lion has become old because of no prey. No prey. Well, yeah, maybe he doesn't pray, but no prey. You see, the instinct of a lion is it, it, it's to conquer, it's to hunt. The fight in the lion is when he has something to fight for. That's what makes him the lion and the, the king of the jungle when his mane is all messed up and his growl, growl and rawr, you know, that you could hear it, they say, on a quiet night five miles away when a lion roars. But there's a proverb that says that the lion dies old and wasted Because he has no prey. How does that happen? Like I said, the instinct of a lion is to hunt, is to conquer. But you put a lion in a cage and you put him at the zoo, he no longer has a prey to conquer. The trainer comes in. It's like, here you go. Why? Because the instinct in him of a lion has died because he has no prey. And one of the things that I see in the church as well is that we no longer have that lion instinct because all we do is come to church and uh, my hair, my mane is real combed. Oh, no, 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 here you go, we'll do it, here you go, we have three services, oh, if you, you want to get up early, and ha- oh, but it's okay, don't worry, here, here you go, oh, but I want to sleep a little bit later, you want to come, let me- oh, okay, it's okay, you come, because here you go, here you go, oh, I, I am so tired, I think I'll go at the one thirty service, okay, because anyways, here, here you go, and we've lost 
our bite. We've lost our fight. Now we don't fight for it anymore. We, 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 we're so used to it giving it to us that, that we don't fight anymore. And we become like that lion that becomes old and wasted because there's no prey. Abraham is in a situation here where he has to fight and he got everything back. If there's one thing that we must arise again as a church is to get the fight back in us and to know what battles we are to fight and which ones we need to walk away from. But anything that God has given you, your spouse, your family, your children, those are things that, that you need to fight for. Your morals and your convictions and your doctrine, Christian doctrine, those are the things that you need to stand up and fight for. Those are the things that you need to growl and say, no, I will fight for this. This belongs to God and God gave it to me and I will fight and do whatever I have to do. to the person next to you and just go, <laughs> tell them, don't let, the girls, tell them, don't let these fake nails fool you. I go, because if you look closely, look closely, you'll see the face of a lion when it's ready to defend its cubs. And these fake nails will pop up so fast that you won't know what hit you. <laughs> So throughout the process, again, verse chapter 15, verse 1 says, after these things. So to give us hope that, that it's, not, it's not how it's going to end. It's a process that God is taking us through to see, would you accept my call and take the challenge? And, and, and will you, would you follow without even you know where you're going, but will you hear my voice and follow? Would you not only do that, but will you learn to pick up your tent every time I tell you and build an altar, which is a sign of progress? Will, will you be able to, 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 to handle the situations in life when you don't have everything that you need and everything that, that, that you want, that you, but, but you learn to manage it because you know and you trust God this is only a season, a phase, and this too will pass, and I'll, I'll, I'll enter to the after these things are, 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 are you okay in, in where you are that sometimes even family have to you have to draw the line even with family and say me and my house will serve the Lord are, are, are you at the point where you tell the devil you know what I'm not playing games and I'm not going to sit without a fight if God has given me this I am going to fight for it tooth and nail and I'll do whatever I've got to do because there's a lion in me I have the DNA of the lion of Judah and I'll fight for what needs to be done is that still in you and God is saying if I can see that in you then I'm what well, I'm looking that this is going to catapult you to the next level of your life and after all of this we come to chapter 15. And basically what God is saying, I, I have tested you. And whatever time it took, there's some tests you had to take over. And there's some exams that you didn't pass and some courses that you had to retake. But, but at this point now, guess what? I, 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 I have passed you. You've passed the test. And the Bible says in Genesis 15:1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. After these things, God, there has to be something better than this. 
I know you've been with me in battle. I know I've trusted to hear your voice. I know that I've been moving and growing and going from glory to glory. I I know I've been growing in these. I I I know all of that. But there has to be something. And God says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. And whenever it says in a vision, it's a prophetic word. It's a word that God is saying. It's a word for where you are now and where I'm taking you. It's a word for the season that you're in now. And it's the word also for what's coming your way. And he says, after these things, it says, the Lord came to Abraham. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Basically, what he was telling him is, you've passed the test. There's coming a new season now that I am going to bring to you. And then it says in verse 1, before we read it, this new season, though, has certain behaviors and certain principles that you have to have in order to see these things happen. These certain behaviors and, and these certain principles, you must be open to them because those are the keys, those are the principles that will open the doors for the next season of your life that is a season of blessing. And so the first thing, that, that principle and the first behavior that we have to have after these things, it's this. We have to have courage. Courage. The Bible says in chapter 15, verse 1, he tells Abraham, the first thing he tells him is don't be afraid. So if you're not going to be afraid, you have to have courage. There are things that have kept you afraid of moving forward. There are things that have kept you afraid, uh, that, that, uh, things that, uh, uh, that have uh, made you afraid to keep you from a commitment that you, should, you know you should have. But because of what happened last time, because of, of what happened to so-and-so, because, and so you're afraid. You're afraid to launch out on your own again. And you're afraid to start a new business again. You're afraid because those in the past, they hurt you. They, they did you wrong. And, and fear has paralyzed you. And fear has kept you uh, 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 Unmobile. Fear has kept you stuck. Fear has kept you in the status quo. Fear has kept you just doing the ordinary when there's so much more. Fear has kept your abilities, your talents, even your ideas to be kept in a box when God could do something great with them because of fear. The first thing that God is telling Abraham is don't be afraid. You've got to eradicate. You've got to take a rid, get rid of all the fear, of the panics, of the phobias. You've got to get rid of being afraid of, uh, of failure and being afraid of criticism and being afraid of people and being afraid uh, 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 of the unknown. God says you've got to get rid of fear because fear paralyzes you. You don't have to be afraid. If I was with you in the past, I'll be with you after these things. If I was with you through your things, I'll be with you after those things. You've got to get rid of the fear. What are the things that keep you afraid? What are the things that you're still afraid of? I, there's a couple in the first service that I'm trying to deal with so hard. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm about to get a two-by-four and let them have and see if it will make sense to them. Because they love each other. They've been with each other for about almost, I'm going to say about 10 years. She wants to get married. He doesn't. I've sat down and talked with him. And I said, okay, why don't you want to get married? Well, because I want my mom to be here. 
That's a good reason. Where's your mom? Oh, well, she's in, I don't know if it's El Salvador or Honduras. Can she get a visa? No. Have you ever heard of FaceTime? Facebook Live? I married somebody in El Salvador, Facebook Live. Because I couldn't get them back over here. I said, Pastor, we went, we got the license, and the judge, you know, signed the license, but we, we're not happy with the license. We want a, a, at least a ceremony. So on Facebook, um, on FaceTime, I'm talking to them through WhatsApp, through the WhatsApp deal. And, and they have the phone there. I have mine here, and I'm, I'm giving them the vows, and, and they got married. I'm like, your mom can't come. But you're not marrying your mom. You're marrying her. Just things that... We need to move on to the next. And so there are some principles that you have to abide by if you want to live after these things. If you want to receive God's blessings after these things. You are short, short changing yourself. Because you went through all of that. And then you want to stay there and don't want to enjoy the after everything. And so God says, you need to take fear away. It has to go. Do not fear. The second thing he tells them is not only do not be afraid, but he tells them, I am your shield. He's telling him, I'm your defense. Saying, I'm your protection. I am your fortress. He's saying, you don't have to worry about trying to defend yourself. I am going to do that for you. I'm going to put my face out for you. And David understood something and learned something. When he goes to battle, Psalms chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, it says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. You see, because David only knew the armor that you wore that protected you from the front. David only knew, I can only defend myself as far as my peripheral vision allows me to. I can see my, looking straight ahead, I can see my hand, my hand, my hand. Right here I can't see it. So David was saying, I can try to defend myself because I see it here. But if I turn this way, I can't see that way. So I have to, I, 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 and there's so many, I'm not going to be able to handle them. And the people are saying, God is not even going to deliver him. But David saw something different. Because in verse 3 he says, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I can't see back here, but you're there. I can't see this far, but you're there. If I turn that way, I can't see in the back, but I don't have to worry because you're there. God says, I am a shield around you. I am beyond your peripheral vision. I am beyond of what you can handle by yourself. And at this point, if you trust me, because you have been faithful before these things, after these things, don't be afraid. I am going to be your defense. I am going to be your protector. I am going to be a shield all the way around you. Listen. I'll finish with this. The third principle on behavior is expectation. 
It says, your reward shall be very great. The New King James Version says, your exceedingly great reward. He goes, you got to learn to be expectant in expectancy. You can't just come thinking that it's just another service. You've got to come expecting what others aren't expecting. You came and you came determined God is going to give me something. God is going to handle the situation. God is going to give me the answer. He says, your reward, you've got to expect. If I'm going to give you a reward, there's an expectancy. I remember it wasn't much. But if you only knew how much and what I had to go through through security and how, I, how many times I had to carry that backpack when I told the church, if you download the app, church app, I have a gift that I want to give you from Jerusalem. Some people, what is that gift? And they were telling my wife, well, what is it? You got to download the app and wait till he gets here. And it wasn't anything big. It was, it was a, a coin, a replica of a half shekel that they would use. Matter of fact, when I was in Israel, I was able to go to a place where you did um, uh, with archaeologists, and we were sifting the buckets. They put buckets there, and you'd sift it and see what you found because those are the things that they're excavating. And you could find bones, you, uh, you know, you find pottery, you found uh, glass, porcelain, things from that. And you could also find coins. Well, lo and behold, the bucket I got, I ended up finding a shekel. A, a shekel. And they said, what? You found the jackal in that bucket? Well, I'm thinking they put it in there. But nobody else found it. But anyway, they take it. Oh, they took a picture with me. He says, oh, we're going to take it to the experts over there so they can clean it up, da, 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 whatever, whatever. So anyway, I brought, I brought, um, I think it was 200, 200, yeah, 200 of those coins. Security stopped me every time. Uh, Sir, you got to come here. You got metal? Yeah, it says, yeah, I'm opening it up. Um, can you help me put it back in? I'm sorry, we're not allowed to. Expectancy. How great is your expectancy? How, how much are you thinking, uh, believing that God can do something and is going to do something today in your life? God is saying, hey, there's a reward. The, 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 the word reward means your recompense, your, your retribution, your compensation. That's your reward. When it says here exceedingly, uh, uh, where it says uh, <clears throat> exceedingly, what is yeah, exceeding, your reward would be exceedingly great. The, the word, listen, exceedingly means super, means much, means in extreme, means multiplied. In other words, it's not addition, but it's multiplication. What God is saying is, what I'm going to do, the reward I'm bringing you is going to be multiplied. But then it says this, the last word, it says, shall be great. The word great means, listen to this, abundant, ample, enlarged, but, but this is the word that I like, exaggerated. God says, what I'm going to do, because you've been faithful and now you've entered after these things, not only do you need to cast out fear and be courageous, not only must you come expecting that reward that I'm going to give you, 
But the reward that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it to you with such exaggeration. Imagine that. You ever tell people, oh, God, she exaggerates so much. Oh, he, he exaggerates so much. Huh? Tell you what. If God can exaggerate, he's going to show you how he can exaggerate. And the beautiful thing about that is that he's going to exaggerate on you. And people are going to say, how did that happen? You're, you're, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not. Look at what God did. Oh, you're such an exaggerator. That's the way God is. <laughs> he blessed me like this. He answered like this. He did this like this. I believe that you've come out of your season. Frustration. I think you're entering into a season. I told this morning, the service, I said, God, this morning catapult you and you're in the air today. But as we finish, you're going to land on the other side of those things. And you're going to land into what God is telling you. Land in a place of abundance, in a place where God is going to exaggerate what he's going to do, that people are going to say, I can't believe that. As they sing this chorus, would you come to this altar? I want to pray with you today.